Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for the show. And with me today is our dear friend and sister in Christ, Doreen Virtue. Doreen, welcome back to the show. Hi, Dave. Great to be with you. Hi, everyone. Well, can you, uh, we're going to talk today about Doreen's testimony because I've been asked now by people, friends locally, um, about your testimony and other people as well. And as many times as you've been on, you've never actually, you've shared parts of your testimony. I don't even know with as well as Sarah and I know you that I've heard all of your testimony at once. So um, I'm going to let you just, you know, share, feel, please feel free to, to share however much detail, you know, you, you feel comfortable with sharing, um, you know, with our audience and, uh, you know, feel free to take it however you want to go. Okay. Well, praise the Lord for saving us. And I am the poster child for having a new life in Christ because who I am now is so different than who I was before Jesus saved me. And I I think of a testimony, it's kind of ongoing, like sanctification. So I've just been learning and growing as we all do. And so I, I understand things more now than when I was first saved. I should have gone away like Paul did for three years and studied. But since my old products that I used to uh, write and teach are still being sold by others because they were licensed, if they were self-published, I would have taken them off the market immediately. But other people sell them against my express request to not. Um, And so that's why I stayed in the public eye after I was saved. So kind of to back up, um, before I was saved in September of 2017. And I was, I I was, I have to do the math. I was either 58 or 59 years old. So senior citizen after a lifetime of being raised as in false teachings where I thought I was a Christian, I was told as a Christian by my mother, um, it's been just a complete, like going to a new country or a new planet, just to get a biblical worldview coming Mm. from a liberal woke uh, you know, false gospel worldview. And and I got that worldview because I was raised in a Christian science home. Uh, we were the, I was the fourth generation of Christian scientists in our family. My mother was a professional Christian science practitioner, and she was the equivalent of the pastor of our church. So she was at the pulpit every Sunday. And I went to uh, Sunday school for many years where we, we did not study the Bible or Bible stories. We studied metaphysics. That's what Christian science is, a false religion that was created by a false prophetess named Mary Baker Eddy at the turn of the the century, 1800s. And she was a student of Phineas Quimby, who was known, renowned as a mesmerizer, a hypnotist, who Phineas Quimby taught that basically Jesus healed people through hypnosis and mind over matter. And Mary Baker Eddy, and then the founders of other heretical, what's called New Thought Churches, um, mm-hmm. the Holmes who have a Unity Church. Uh, the, there was a, another church that's gone now called Divine Science for a while. So religious science and divine science and Christian science all came from Phineas Quimby. And Phineas Quimby is also a basis of word of faith. So there's huh. some evidence that Phineas Quimby in, influenced some of the 
earliest Word of Faith preachers. And it was all about, it's me-centered theology, that I create my reality by my thoughts. I attract problems with my thoughts, I fix them with my thoughts. And, and it makes us sovereign instead of God. So it's, it's Gnosticism, it turns everything on its ears. And, it's, and Christian science is especially Gnostic because it believes that matter is unreal, it's an illusion, that death is an illusion. And it just denies that God created matter and he called it good. Christian science does though glom on to Genesis 126 that said that we were made in the image and likeness of God. It doesn't focus on the plural pronouns, but that we're made in the image and likeness of God. And then Christian science says that Genesis 3 is a myth that uh, it, we don't, we can't die. So there was no, and there's no sin according to Christian science, mm. uh, because we're made in the image and likeness of God and God is sinless. So therefore we're sinless. And to think that we have sin or death or sickness is an error in thinking. And mm. Christian science is the study of those errors in thinking. So you're not allowed to listen to any medical advice. You're not allowed to go to a doctor, although they've softened recently on that. But you're not allowed to watch any commercials or programs on medical. Mm. As a kid, I was excused from health and physiology and biology classes because the belief in Christian science is if you learn about an illness, you will manifest it. And so I took a lot of art classes instead. <laughs> It was, it's a crazy way to grow up. Mm. Um, but but the thing is, I saw a lot of healings. I experienced them growing up. So this is the devil counterfeiting God, and he mixes in truth and lies. So my mom would not take us to doctors if we'd injure ourselves, my brother and I. Um, she would instead pray over us, and things would change. Every Wednesday night, we would go to a testimonial meeting at the church where people would stand up, and they would give glory to Mary Baker Eddy, which is blasphemous. And they would tell their testimony of how they had an illness or an injury and how it was healed. So, I mean, it was a pretty crazy way to grow up. And then I went to college and I got a BA and an MA in counseling psychology from Chapman University in California. And I became a psychotherapist, but I was using Christian science pr principles with my clients. I was teaching them how to uh, think positive, to use affirmations, to visualize success, et cetera. And, and again, it, it worked. So I had no reason to believe that it wasn't real. And again, my mom had told us that we were Christians. I was given a King James Bible when I was a little kid and we read it, we just cherry picked it. And, and so I, when people would ask me, are you a Christian? I'd say, of course. And I knew enough Bible scripture to quote some, but I didn't know the gospel. I'd heard it, but I didn't believe it because we were told that Genesis 3 was a myth, that we're not sinners, that there is no devil, there's no literal hell. And that's. And then after I graduated, I started to write about psychology. And my books, in psychology books, they started to be very popular. I went on um, older shows like Donahue and Sally Jesse Raphael and CNN and uh, The View. And then because of that, I was picked up by a new age publisher called Hay House. And when they published me, I started getting invited to speak at Mind Body Spirit Festivals. I was not a new ager at that point. I didn't know anything about chakras. I had never done yoga or any sage or moon ceremonies. I, that None of that was on my, my plate at all. But once I got invited to new age festivals and in between speaking sessions, I would go to visit the different uh, vendors at the booths, and they were all selling things or demonstrating things that I was curious about. 
because I'm a born researcher. So I would research what they were teaching and I would try it out myself and and it seemed to work. So then I would teach other people about it. And then I started writing about these things. And I was a generalist where I would write about crystals and chakras and yoga and goddesses and and angels in a non-biblical way. And pretty soon I started getting involved with using tarot cards. And they scared me because witchcraft scared me. I, it's still, it, it's something very dark. I don't, I've researched it, but I would never have been involved with that. I kind of, even though I was a heretic, I had my boundaries back then. Um, and And so the tarot card scared me. So I took out the cards that were scary, like the death card and the devil card and the hangman card and and the and so and then i just kind of used this miniature deck and one day i was talking to my publisher and i and um i had had this dream a uh, lucid dream and at that time i didn't know that the devil can counterfeit dreams um, i took them to be very literal guidance but my dream was my deceased grandmother it's of course a demon pretending to be her i know now but in this dream my grandmother showed me this beautiful house and and kind of showed me it reminds me of the devil with you know in the the temptation in the wilderness showing jesus all this uh so she was showing me all these things and she said would you like these things and i said sure grandma and she said okay if you want these things you have to study pythagoras and then i woke up and i said the triangle guy the hypotenuse guy what do i have to study pythagoras for but i I wanted those things and I believed my that was my really my grandmother. So I started to study Pythagoras and numerology and that led me into the study of tarot and just energy and all these things that the new agers have as their basis of their beliefs. And I started to create um, uh, angel cards, they were called. And that's how I became really well known. Um, people started calling me the angel lady. And and I had read enough of the Bible to know, you know, the Annunciation with Gabriel and and that Michael's in Daniel, but I didn't understand that angels are God's created beings who are messengers of God, not our personal genies. And I, I repent and apologize for that because I was teaching that angels were our personal guardian angels who want to make us happy by bringing us our wishes. And I started teaching people that. And of course, the demons took advantage of that and started to seem to make our wishes come true. And I became more and more popular. I was toured around the world uh, by my publisher uh, with my husband, first class. And we went everywhere. To, I was giving sold out workshops. My work was published in 38 languages. And by the time I was saved, I was at the peak of my career, which I think is actually is evidence of God's, of course, God is sovereign. And if, if, if my career had been going down, people could say, oh, she switched to Christianity because she needed something new. But I was at the very peak of my career when I was saved, and I had no intentions of changing in fact, I had just made a, a will that made uh, all my animals at this ranch that we were buying in Hawaii. We had like 300 animals there. And my will said that all those animals would be taken care of the rest of their lives uh, in the event of my early death. And and so we were, this was going to be our life forever. It was just being new age. My husband was part of it with me, uh, just to, to teach about new age, to live at this ranch and travel around and do videos. Um but God had other plans. And so in January 2015, because I, I really thought of myself as a Christian, I was definitely not saved. I would listen to Christian radio all the time, but I would also listen to 
radio shows with Hindu gurus and Buddhist gurus and and shaman. I thought that all paths led to God because I was a universalist. So one day in January 2015, I was listening to Christian Satellite Network, which you can listen to clearly in Hawaii. And I was listening to one of my favorite pastors at that time, Alistair Begg. And he was talking about 2 Timothy 4, that in the end times, people will want their itching ears tickled. And then he described a false teacher, and David was like he was describing me. I mean, he said that false teachers give false hope, that they'll tell people whatever they want to hear to get them happy. And and that just was one of the first times I can remember ever the Holy Spirit convicting me. And and I and as I listened to that, I said, "Wow, that I'm a false teacher then." And I the, I was listening to this in the car. So when I got home, I said to Michael, "You know, I think that we need to start going to church." And we had been going to New Age churches or Catholic churches, but we um, at that point we started to go in the process of going to church. But we didn't know what denomination to go to, so it was a mess. We went. We started out. Um, where did we start out? At a Seventh Day Adventist church, and the reason was because, as most New Agers, we were vegans, and the Seventh Day Adventists are vegetarians. So we thought, well, we'll go where we can eat the common meal, and there's no meat. It's a stupid reason to go to church. And we quickly found out that that's not the church for us. So then we ended up at a Pentecostal church called Foursquare which was made by another female false prophet heretic. Um, and it was all about testimonials, so it seemed very familiar. We didn't speak in tongues or get slain in the spirit like a lot of charismatic churches, but every week we would get um, the, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And I didn't know I was violating 1 Corinthians 11 by taking it as an unsaved person, but we would say the sinner's prayer as we were taking the um, juice and the crackers, and it made no sense to me. When the pastor would say, you know, we're all sinners, I would in my head I would think, well, you might be a sinner, but I'm not, because I'm perfect, whole, and complete. So I still had that new age mindset. We were not reading the Bible very much yet. But then we, we left that church and we became Episcopalians which we were Episcopalians for um, for two years. And we were very involved at the church, very active. Michael was what they call an uh, acolyte, where he was, it's kind of like a deacon. And I was uh, part of the VBS staff and, um, and, and we were also part of, they were serving um, a, a meal, a community meal. So my point is we were very actively involved and still I was unsaved. My, Michael, I can't tell. He, we we go back and forth on this. He was raised Methodist. You know, Methodist is pretty liberal even back then. He was baptized at age twelve, and then his mother really was. She was raised Baptist, so she she she's back to being a Baptist again. So she has very conservative world biblical worldview. I have no doubt from her fruit that she's saved. Um, so he was raised in with the mother at least who was saved. But he in the New Age he was involved with giving psychic readings. Um, he he had pictures of new age images of Jesus, and he was very much into Archangel Michael because that's what his name is. And he would have statues of Michael all around. He used to wear an Archangel Michael pendant. And uh, so I would think that, and he did that for years. So I would think that if he was saved, the Holy Spirit would have convicted him. Um, so anyway, we were both saved at the same time, praise the Lord. But it took a while. It, it was January 2017 that I had the veil. Uh, removed from me, as Second Corinthians talks about, where I understood the gospel. Uh, I was at church, 
they were just doing announcements. He was not talking about any Bible verses or anything. But all of a sudden, I just knew it was it was just this revelation to me. I knew that Jesus really is the Son of God. I knew that he really did die for our sins. And I knew that the Bible really is God's word. And Dave, those were not things I believed before. I believed we grew up believing Jesus was a created mortal man who was a good role model for us. Mm -hmm. We believed that he was special, that he was the Christ, but we didn't think that he was God or the creator at all. And to believe that the Bible was really God's inspired, sufficient, um, inerrant word, until that moment, I thought it had been corrupted by Constantine and the Roman Catholic Church, and that there was missing books. And through the translation process, there was sloppiness. So, for me, to, all of a sudden, like it was like, boom, I knew that. But I still wasn't, and, and, and I just want to mention that at the same time, I had a vision that I thought was Jesus. And for a long time, I thought that vision brought me the gospel. But I've been having visions since I was a little girl. I don't have them anymore, praise the Lord. Um, but I now know that that was a spiritual warfare moment. Pastor Chris Rosebro and also Justin Peters talked with me a long time about that vision to help me to see that it was simultaneous. Um, not It wasn't the vision bringing me the gospel. Um, so, But I thought it was because it happened at the same time. It was so weird for so many years. I th Well, that was not so many years. That was probably two years since I was saved. I had given up all my other visions in the past. I, I had denounced them all, but that one vision I'd hung on to because it didn't make any sense that I heard that at the same time that I saw this. And, and I thought, well, this passes 1 John 4, the testing the Spirit. It's proclaiming Jesus biblically. But the pastor Rosebro and Justin Peters helped me to see, and also Warren Smith, he really helped me to know that, um, no, that was spiritual warfare. That was the devil trying to pull me back. So after after I had that that revelation that Jesus really is the Son of God who died for our sins and the Bible really is God's word, I got baptized in February 2017, um, dunked, you know, completely dunked. The Episcopal Church dunks you three times, and, and it was in the ocean. It was the <laughs> For the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and and I still wasn't saved. Uh, so I was still, but I was I I was doing weekly videos uh, on my YouTube channel, and they were very popular. We'd have immediately after each one was uh, posted, we'd have a hundred thousand views, just like boom. We had such a following for these videos that were angel card readings for the week. It was like a forecast of what was going to happen, and so they were very popular heretical blasphemous. But I started to be, I'm so transparent. I just started telling people, hey, I saw Jesus. Hey, I'm reading the Bible now. And I started to mix, try to mix the two things. So I'd have my Bible, I'd read a verse, talk about it, what my baby Christian understanding was of it, which was dangerous. And then I'd pull a card. And so people in the Christian community were understandably upset and confused they were like, she's not saved. She's still using cards and she's still talking like a new ager. I was still saying Jesus was an ascended master. I still didn't get that. No, you just un understood that he really is the son of God, but that didn't translate to, in my head that he's creator. Uh, and I hadn't read, you know, Colossians 1 or understood the prologue of John at all. So uh, anyway, it was just a process then of Michael and I doing Bible study. And I started, my son Grant sent me a copy of the one-year Bible, not the chronological version, the regular version, in New Living Translation, uh, which was a revelation for me because I'd only read the King James 
and I didn't understand it. As a as an example, uh, I was raised that necromancy is is wrong, but I didn't know what necromancy was, and I was a necromancy necromancer. I was a medium, so it was a King James version only church. There are a lot of churches who are false churches that are King James version only. So it's one of the reasons I get bristled when people tell me that King James is the only Bible that is. Um, relatable. And then I get even bristled further when they say all other translations are New Age translations that have had verses removed and added. And you and I both know the Textus Receptus is is not the oldest version and the scribes added to things. So, the point is that when I was reading the NLT, I, I it was like having a fresh pair of glasses. And I don't think it's the best translation. It's too dynamic. It's It takes liberties like it's instead of saying brothers, it'll say brothers and sisters, which is implied, but it just takes too many liberties. Now I'm an ESV, NASB, or CSB, or LSB uh, reader. But the NLT just was so clear. And then, so then when I got to Deuteronomy 18, which was either the end of August or the beginning of September of 2017, and I read Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 12, which is the infamous passage where God is talking through Moses to the Israelites who are about to cross the Jordan River and telling them, don't be like the Canaanites, don't have their pagan ways, don't burn your son or daughter in the fire. Of course, they would sacrifice to Moloch or Baal. And I I had always been pro-life. as I was one of the few pro-life New Agers that I knew, mm. uh, but it was really interesting. But um, so that part I didn't resonate with, but when it got to, you shall not be like the Canaanites, you shall not use divination. I was using divination. You shall not do mediumship. I was doing mediumship. You shall not uh, look for signs and omens. And those three things, I thought, you mean those aren't allowed? Because I thought, Dave, because people told me I helped them with my new age work, that I was doing God's work. I would often call myself God's secretary. So blasphemous because I was channeling books. You know, I had over 70 books by the time I was saved, books and cards. And most of them were I heard uh, a voice and I would write down what I received. And it would get published almost completely raw, unedited. And they were in the New Age realm, they were bestsellers. I was one of the top selling New Age authors when I was saved. So Deuteronomy 18 uh, woke me up because it said not only were these practices condemned, but that I was a detestable abomination to God for practicing them. And you could have knocked, I mean, I, I actually got on my knees at that point, not from, I guess I was praying, but it was mostly shock that I was an abomination to God when I had thought that I was a Christian, that I was doing God's work. A lot of false teachers are convinced they're doing God's work because it seems like they're helping people because these false methods seem to work. Mm. So I got on my knees in shock. But I, while I was down there, I started crying. And I said to God, I didn't know. I didn't know. I'm so, so, so sorry. I just, I had no idea. And I, I was just broken, absolutely broken. But immediately after that happened, uh, oh, let me just back up. So that, that was the first time I realized I was a sinner. That's what I, that was the missing piece for me. I had 90% of the gospel, but the most important 10% that I am a sinner who needs Jesus to save me was missing. And that's what's missing for New Agers. The New Age pounds in your head, you're perfect, whole, and complete, that there's nothing wrong with you, that sin is an illusion made up by the Roman Catholic Church to get money and control. So mm. for me to understand that I'm a sinner, I'm not only a sinner, but a wretched sinner, and to realize the gravity of my sin, that I had 
deceived all these people unknowingly, but I still had deceived them. Like the next week I, I made an apology video and warned people to stay away from my work. Well, the the internet, the YouTube just went crazy with me making this video because they said, oh, look, Doreen Virtue is fear-based, which is like the worst thing you can be called in the new age besides being called a bad person. Look, she's fear-based. She's She's spouting off that there's demons and and such. And so I took the video down. You know, I just wasn't bold enough yet. And it, but it's still on the internet. You can find it. It's the one where I'm wearing a bright pink checkered shirt outdoors. Um, and and so and then I, I just kept making these bad videos where I was stumbling. I was trying to apologize, but I was trying not to offend anyone. I made this one video where I was like, I'm not trying to convince anybody of. Uh, of um, you know Christianity, and at that time I was going to the Episcopal Church, which which is so progressive and so liberal. Our priest was an openly gay, ma- married in air quotes man, and 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 so I would I said on this video, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be one of those Christians who puts down homosexuals or you know everyone's everyone's invited. I, I was trying to not offend anybody, but at the same time, proclaim Jesus as my Lord and Savior. You can't do both. The gospel offends people. Biblical truth offends people. But that video is still out there. and People still to this day will say, look, she's not saved because she's saying homosexuality is not a sin. And and, and look, I still have a heart for gay people because I had a lot of gay friends and some gay relatives. And so, I have a heart for them. I pray for their soul. But I, I understand that a lo- just like my sins, that that's not God's creation order, that marriage is between a man and a woman for procreation. Got that. Homosexuality is a sin. But that took me a while. It was like the Christian community wanted me to be an instantaneous theologian. And that's why I should have gone away for a few years. Like Paul went to Arabia for three years. I should have gone. But I kept saying that, well, my products are still being sold. I have to warn people. And I was used to being in the public eye. So it was partially pride. And so I stayed in the public eye with this horrible theology. And the Christian community was just putting me down. The New Agers were just enraged that I had dared to become a Christian. And so, I was getting hate mail, being called, just cussing out. People were making death threats against me and my sons. And so, my sons were starting to get upset with me. Uh, My publisher fired me in November of 2017 because he said I was offending people. I'd been with them for over 20 years. And just it was just our whole life was unraveling. So, then we had this big expensive ranch and employees including my two sons. And so, we had to make a quick exit. We gave the ranch back to the people we were buying it from. And we we had my parents with us. My mom and dad were, we were taking care of them. So, we had to find a home where they would be taken care of. So, we found a multi-generational home in the Pacific Northwest and moved there. And then we couldn't afford that house, but prices had increased. So, we sold that and made a little money for a down payment on the house we're in now. But then, all the debt that we had left in the new age caught up with us because we had made so much money that last year and we hadn't paid our taxes yet that one year of 2017 we still owe taxes on no other years we don't believe in debt you know we know what the bible says about money but for 2017 we still owed so much money and now we were getting regular jobs my husband got a job that's i don't want to say what it is because we have stalkers but he's got a really good job I sell used clothing out of our basement. I make a little bit of money on YouTube. And my mom and dad, bless their hearts, when they died, they left us a little inheritance. But we gave refunds for the first two years um, after we were saved until we could no longer. And and then um, 
we moved to this house and then the IRS put a lien on this house uh, from our past new age debts. So basically we're broke. We know, praise the Lord, we get enough for provision, but we owe more than we um, are making. And the reason is that the new age tells you to act as if, and you are supposed to, you know, pretend that you're wealthy when you're not. And we were spending more than we were making the whole time we were in the new age. Um, We were like indentured servants to the devil. So anyway, um, we moved to the Pacific Northwest, which was great because we there's so many solid churches in our area, and it, it was a matter of church shopping. We started out at a, a pretty solid church, Baptist church. Um, it was Arminian, but they would share the gospel. And as you know, eschatology is secondary, really, as long as you say that Jesus is returning. So, uh, uh, but what happened was that the women's Bible study there was not solid. They were studying Beth Moore and Pr- Priscilla Shire and such. So we started looking again, and and still the Christian community was very skeptical about me. They they really believed. Well, I don't think she's really saved because my vocabulary still had New Ageisms and my theology still wasn't set very well. And who embraced me, Dave, was the charismatic community mm-hmm. and. And so I was brought into a circle of basically hyper charismatics because they followed Smith Wigglesworth and they would have online prayer meetings that I was invited to. And I was honored because no other Christians were were hanging out with me. Um, But in these charismatic prayers, they were talking about soaking prayers and and, um, just things that, you know, uh, not biblically based prayers. I'm sure they're very sincere and they certainly were nice to me and appreciate their hospitality. So I started to kind of go from new age to kind of in the charismatic realm because of their influence. And finally, um, through prayer, I thought, you know what, I just, I need to go to seminary and and learn how to rightly divide God's word. I had no aspirations to being a female pastor. I did for a while think I'd be a female prophetess. I really did consider that. I started to follow this I'm not going to say her name because I don't want anyone else to follow her. I started to follow this woman who has prophetess school, and I was going to go, uh, but praise the Lord, he woke me up primarily through this Facebook group called the NAR um, Heresy Group. I, I, they changed their name a few times. Anyway, this group was run by Mike Moore at the time, um, and that in that group, I learned who the false teachers are. It would it was it names names. It's like okay, Todd White's a false teacher because of this 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 and this, and this teacher stay away from him because of this this and this. And I started to learn how to compare the Bible to what people were teaching and be a Berean. And and through that group, I it really pulled me out of any aspirations I had to be a charismatic prophetess. And and I went to seminary. And at that time, Thomas Nelson, uh, a, an editor from Thomas Nelson approached me online and said, hey, we really want to publish a book of your testimony. And that was 2000, late 2018, early 2019. So I'm only saved a year and I, I had no business writing a book, but I prayed about it. I actually talked to some mature Christians and we all prayed about it and they said, okay, let's do this. But see, I was still holding on to that belief that I saw a vision of Jesus who brought me the gospel in 2017. I put that in the book, unfortunately, in chapter 9. I also put in there Michael Heiser, who at that time had was really nice to me and was very helpful to me. And I'd been on his show in Texas and such. And uh, But I didn't realize until I, I interviewed him, and he said Genesis 1.26, when it was the plural pronoun, was the angels plus God. 
creating man. And even as a baby Christian, I knew that wasn't true. And I kind of argued with him. And he said, no, 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 Elohim means that the angels and God created man. And so I let go of Michael Heiser, but he's unfortunately in my book. And I just want to say, I loved Michael Heiser as a friend and he was very grateful to him. But what he was teaching was a lot of through the books of Enoch, that's not biblical. So I regret putting in the book. See, this is why I shouldn't have written it so young. And after you write a book, you can't change it except for the Kindle edition. So the Kindle edition doesn't have the uh, vision in it anymore. But this is why I don't push the book at all. And it barely sold anything. So I'll probably never be published again. But that's okay. Because I get accused a lot that I became a Christian to make money, which is so insane. Because if they people could see how much money I was making in the New Age, and it was bucks galore. New Age is very, very prolific. False teachings very, you know, makes a lot of money. But I was spending more than I was making, as I said. Um, and then to go from that to our humble jobs that we have now, which we're grateful for, and it's I needed to be humbled um, and and such. I don't see how anyone could say I became a Christian for money. I have never, ever, ever asked anyone for donations since I became a Christian. I, yes, I put my book up a couple times because the publisher asked me to, but that's been years now. And I don't, I don't have a Patreon to get money. Uh, I've gone out of my way to, and one person did donate $25 to me. And I asked her, what's your favorite charity? And then I donated that 25 to her favorite charity in her name. So I'm really careful to show folks that I, this is not my motivation. It's, it's Jesus. It's to share the gospel and warn people, as Ephesians 5.11 tells us, that this is the, the devil's running the new age. It may seem to work. It may seem positive. It may even use Bible verses, but it is so dangerous. So I spend almost every day on Instagram answering as many letters as I can from people coming out of the new age. Um, if it's a man, you've been so kind to help, and a couple other brothers in Christ to help with men, because I really believe that uh, we women are not to have authority over men. And I've, you know, I'm learning and growing. If anyone can find me doing anything wrong, according to the Bible, I am real teachable. I really, really want to learn. I graduated from uh, Western Seminary. You went, you and Sarah went to our, my graduation. Thank you. Uh, I think it was 2020, right? July of 2020, I graduated. I or was it so. 2021? 21. Maybe, I guess. Yeah, I think it's 21. Uh, yeah. And so I got a master's in biblical and theological studies. And this part, I am, I, I promise I'm not bragging. It's a testimony to God giving me a new heart. I graduated with highest honors, straight A's except for one B. Um, and that I would have got straight F's if I had gone to seminary before I was saved. But it just shows me that God completely, a senior citizen like me, I was one of the oldest people at Western Seminary, to get a to have a biblical worldview where you get straight A's from teachers who've got PhDs in systematic theology, and they were not easy graders. I mean, to give back, and it was just a miracle, Dave, to be able to have a biblical worldview after all those years with a false Christ and a false gospel. Praise the Lord. Hmm. I mean, I was, I was hellbound. One of the things I had to learn after being saved was to how to trust God. I didn't know who God was until I started reading the Bible. Uh, I was told that in Christian science, God is called mind. He's, it's very uh, Egyptian hermetic, believing God is just a mind. And then in the New Age, God is energy or the universe or a force. 
And so I really think one of the reasons I glommed on to angels is because it seemed accessible, uh, even tangible and palpable. And so to learn to trust in the Lord was a huge hurdle for me. Um, here I, I had just lost my job. Michael worked with me. And we had, you know, as all everyone does, bills. And we just moved to this new area. Our whole life has changed. Our friends are mad at us. Our relatives are mad at us. Uh, new Agers are mad at us. Christians, because I'm still, you know, flopping around theologically, were mad at us. So we were just in this state of shock. And in the New Age, you trust yourself. There's all those taglines: believe in yourself, follow your dreams, trust your heart. Yeah, trust your heart. Um, Joseph Campbell, follow your bliss. So to trust in the Lord was a profound hurdle for me. One of the things I did is I got everything that I could find that said trust in the Lord on it. I just hung pictures all around the house. I prayed on it. I was in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 daily praying on it. Please, Lord, help me to learn who you Mm. are, to trust you, to lean on you Mm. uh, instead of my own understanding. And, And so when people started telling me, oh, because I was saying to everyone, oh, I was hellbound, and isn't this amazing that I could have died so many times and God preserved me and saved This is amazing, you guys, that I'm saved. But because I just trust in the Lord, I I used to believe we'd get to heaven and we would understand everything, but we might not. You know, Nobody God's knows. God. Nobody yeah. knows. Nobody knows God's thoughts but God. So I trust there's things I don't understand. I don't have to know them. All I need to know is that Jesus died for me. Yeah. I mean, 1 Corinthians 13 says we, I think it's 13, we know in part, you know, and yeah. then we'll know in full. You know, we see now, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, we see um, through, you know, a glimmer, you know, we see only in part this side of heaven. And to what degree, you know, we'll know fully, we you know, we'll fully be like him, but will we Will we be continuing to grow or will we know in full measure and in full part? I mean, you know, it's debatable, you know, whether you think that we will have full knowledge or will continue to grow from at the feet of Jesus. Uh, I don't think it matters. I mean, well, the point is, is we will be like him. We will be glorified. That's the doctrine of glorification. It's, you know, the the cherry, if you will, on the top of the doctrine of uh, salvation for a reason and our and our sanctification. I have this peace now that I never had before. In the new age I was always looking for peace and I would find it for 5 minutes in a yoga class here and there. Mm. Um but never this lasting peace. This is a miracle. Mm. So, yeah, if if someone has a problem with me, they are welcome to write me on Instagram and and a lot of times people write me with secondary issues, you know, or or they're offended that I'm calling out their favorite sin is usually what it is. And the people who have the most problem with me remind me of Acts 19 when uh, when the the silversmith went after Paul because their income went down <laughs> because they were no longer buying the Athena statues. Mm. So, mm. so that's the, my biggest critics are the people whose income is affected by me saying uh, Christians have no business doing yoga, Enneagram, Eastern meditation, life coaching, all these things that are darlings of um, – the progressives, they they don't like it that I'm calling them out. But I came from that world. I'm a former insider. I call myself a whistleblower now. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times whistleblowers get dragged through the mud 
so that no one will listen to the whistleblower, right? And I see that happening with me. But as long as I'm not offending God, I'm good. Yeah, and I, I just think that, you know, what you and Marsha Montenegro and others that are like that, that are in it, and they're coming out, we as Christians should be standing with you, fellow Christians, I should say, be standing with you and speaking out with you against the dangers of what's happening. And that that's why I've been doing it now. And that'd you know? be nice. And I know, I know mm-hmm. a lot of people don't, a lot of my friends won't do it for whatever reason, but you know what? It's like people came around on the social justice thing. I think they'll come around eventually and then we'll still be here and they'll wonder, well, how long have you been speaking? We, we were doing it <laughs> way before. Welcome to, welcome to the club, you know, welcome, welcome yeah. to the fun, you know? Well, um, I mean, you know, I get put down a lot because of before I was saved, I was divorced, you know, obviously it's not a secret. And, and so then people will say, well, you shouldn't be with Michael. That's adultery. And we're very conscious about that. And we've had biblical counseling about that. I even did a video with one of my professors, Carl Laney, who's a PhD, and he's written a very conservative book on divorce and remarriage. And he said that as long as this all happened before you were saved, that he, he quoted where Jesus said, every sin can be forgiven except for the unforgivable sin. So he said that my sin of divorce, because I didn't know God hates divorce back then. In the new age, you go through partners like they do in Hollywood, because you're always looking for your perfect soulmate. So if there's any conflict, you don't, you just leave. That's what you do in the new age. So that's, I was fitting right in back then. In fact, people would tell me congratulations when I got a divorce in the new age. It's just a whole different world. I wish I hadn't done that. It hurt my children terribly, and it probably influenced other people in the new age to get divorced. I have deep regrets. I've repented to God. I've apologized to my kids. I don't know what more I can do. I can't undo my past. I can just warn people in the future, and I don't see how that affects my credibility. Um, I think that like, if the, if someone was robbing houses for a living, and then they went to prison, and they became a Christian, and they're repentant, they're genuinely saved. And then they go on TV and they warn people how to not get your house robbed because they used to rob houses. That's how I am. I'm like a former house robber. So people should listen to me because I was in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and some people will say undoubtedly, well, you know, you were in it. So you're judging the people that now that have been, you know, part of it. And it's like, wait, but like you said, when you love somebody enough about when you love something enough you warn them about it and these same people will do the same thing this it's it's a it's a fact of our human nature but in christianity we we tell people we warn them because we love jesus above everything and we're commanded to contend for the faith we're told to to love the lord we're told to give an answer for the reason for the hope that we have so it's actually the most loving thing for a christian to warn and to tell people about about the truth. And so it's not judging. It's no, no. It's, it's I mean, if I said, Oh, you are a bad person because you're in the new age, that's not my place. Deuteronomy 18 says that, <laughs> but I'm not gonna say it. I'm praying for everyone who's in the new age. I'm on my knees daily praying for those who are in the new age, especially those who I influenced through my previously being deceived. So it, you know, people get offended. Like, look at what happened when John the Baptist told the truth to Herod, you know, <laughs> he just People don't want to hear it. It's sad. We just keep praying. 
I think this is uh, I think this is really helpful. And I just want to say, Doreen, thank you so much for sharing your testimony. Um, I think that it's really um, important that people hear that, you know, maybe you've heard it before, but just, just remember if you're a Christian listening to this, just remember where God took you. You were once not saved, whether you became a Christian like me when you're five, or maybe that was later in life or whatever. There was a moment in time, whether you remember that or not, when God saved you, when you walked through the door and you were converted, you became his and he became yours. And now you look back at that moment of time, whenever that was, and you know that you're his, you're held secure, you're preserved by the power of God. And that's because of that, that we can bear fruit. And that's because of that, that we have something to say, you know, and I just think that that's, that's something to remember and to really think about. So thank you, brother Dave. You know that Michael and I love you and Sarah very much. You're a brother and sister in Christ, and we always look forward to your visits and appreciate all that you do with your ministry. You, you're amazing, by the way. I want everyone to just acknowledge for a minute that Dave produces more than I've ever seen any person produce at all. Um, and you're, you're continuously you know, managing and juggling all these different things. It's just, it's, it is amazing. It's all for God's glory and for his good, and I just try to stay disciplined and uh, God, I guess, one of my mentors said, God just gave you a gift. And I think that's probably the best way to say it. Uh, and uh, I just, I enjoy working hard. So it's, it's all for Lord. his glory. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.